Today's episode of the Locked On Phillies podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Phillies podcast. Today is Wednesday, January 20th, 2021, Inauguration Day here in the United States, but the Locked On Phillies podcast keeps on moving. Lots to get to in the Major League Baseball world. I've been complaining for a while, those of you who listen to the podcast. By the way, I'm your host, Dan Wilson, former Temple Media School graduate and lifelong Philadelphia Phillies fan, Dan Wilson. And on today's podcast, I'm actually going to break down a few things. Number one, I'm going to do a few things that I haven't done in this podcast in a while, if at all, actually. Number one, you've heard me complain a number of times, and probably many baseball fans have complained about this very thing. The hot stove, the off-season moves of Major League Baseball in general in recent years have tended to move quite slowly. And this year has been no exception. In fact, you could make the argument that this year has been a case in which it has especially happened. Obviously, a COVID season, we're coming off a COVID-shortened season in which it was 60 games, a lot of revenue lost in Major League Baseball. I know one really... I know no one really feels bad for owners who have net worths in the billions. I know I don't, but there weren't fans in the stands this year. They had 102 less games than usual, and so a lot of that revenue is not going to be made up. And you really haven't seen the big-time contracts handed out like we have had in previous seasons. The biggest contract to date was George Springer earlier this week getting six years, $150 million from the Toronto Blue Jays, and I'll tell you how that ties into the Phillies actually in two ways in just a little bit. But the hot stove has actually begun to pick up here. We had news over the weekend that the Phillies did reach out to JT Romito's camp, made an offer somewhere estimated in the five-year $100 million range, which I'm actually going to give praise to the Phillies front office for not one, but two or three things here on today's show. Because on today's show, I'm going to A, break down how they actually seem to be reading the market correctly on JT Romuto. Again, if you've listened to this podcast in the past, and I'll reiterate it here right now, you know that I'm not totally sold on the idea of bringing JT Romuto back. I get it. I fully expect them to do it. But he's a 30-year-old catcher who, frankly, is not a world beater at the plate. He's had an average of about an 833 OPS the past three seasons. He'll give you 20 to 25 home runs. He's the best catcher in baseball, but frankly, the offensive production from the catcher spot around baseball isn't all that great. And he's a good defensive catcher. He throws a lot of runners out. I know he's a rock behind the plate. And I certainly, and no one else should either, want Andrew Knapp being the starting catcher for 130, 140, however many games it is next season. Of course, there's always the option of going the platoon route, but the Phillies and most Phillies fans, I would argue, want JT Romuto behind the dish next season. And for what it's worth, for catchers especially, best availability is or best ability is often availability. And he has been available the past few seasons, consistently playing anywhere from the 120 to 140 game mark, which for a catcher is very, very good. And of course, if Major League Baseball decides to give the designated hitter to the National League, his games played mark, though not as a catcher, will certainly go up because then he can essentially get off days that aren't really full off days where he's hitting in the lineup. Also, 
the Phillies' timeline of trying to maximize these guys' primes, whether it be Bryce Harper, Aaron Nola, Alec Bohm, you've heard me talk about it a number of times, Reese Hoskins, it makes sense that they would go after a guy like JT Romuto. Now, I certainly have question marks as to whether the Phillies will even be good the next time JT, or whether JT Romuto will be good, rather, the next time the Phillies are good. Offering a guy a five-year deal. And if you remember also, the thing I was going to give the Phillies credit on here, five-year, $100 million offer, it seems like the Phillies have actually waited out this market well. You heard other teams at the beginning of the offseason would be in on Real Muto, whether it be the Mets, who now, with Steve Cohen, are looking to spend tons of money. They went the James McCann route. The Blue Jays might be in on him. Well, they spent their big contract of the offseason on George Springer. You still have teams like the Nationals or others who might be lurking around, but there really aren't any other catchers left on the market unless you want to include Yadier Molina, which as a baseball fan in this era, I'm sure to most people will believe it when we see it if Yadier Molina doesn't return to the St. Louis Cardinals next season. It seems like they'll bring him back, they'll make that kind of thing work. And Yadier Molina is not even close to the catcher he used to be. Future Hall of Famer, great name, but no one's going out to sign Yadier Molina to take your team over the top. But JT Romuto, currently at age 30, you're signing a five-year deal to get the front end of that contract. Next two to three years of it, because this is typically where catchers begin to fall off. And when you look around the rest of the division, whether it be the Mets, who have certainly gotten better this offseason, their big splash was, of course, the deal for Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. The Braves, who have run the division recently, they obviously have a very, very young and solid core, whether it's Acuna, Albies, the Nationals, who won a World Series two years ago with Juan Soto. Of course, the Braves also have Freddie Freeman. Like, There's a lot of star power in this division right now. And the Marlins just made the playoffs last season. And an expanded playoffs nonetheless, but every other team in the division has had more recent success or at least primed for more success coming forward, coming soon, rather, than the Phillies have had. So the pressure, I think, if you look up and down the NL East, which is slated to be one of the most competitive divisions in all of baseball next season, or this season, I should say, we're now in the 2021 the Phillies, I think, have more pressure than any other team to be good. You fired Gabe Kapler more than a season ago. It was easy to blame the problems there. It's clear the issues did not really lie with Gabe Kapler. He had the Giants in it mathematically on the final day of the season, just like the Phillies were, and neither team made it. You got an experienced guy who managed the Yankees to a World Series in 2009 over the Phillies and Joe Girardi. The team still fell short. And by the way, I don't think you're really getting anyone excited bringing guys like Vince Velasquez back. But in terms of this JT Romuto market, a five-year $100 million offer is significantly lower than where the Romuto camp was talking earlier in the season, where he was asking maybe as much as $200 million. Now, I don't need to school anyone on the tactics of negotiation. You always ask for more than what you actually expect to get. But that is a significant drop-off for a guy who probably thought he was going to have more people coming to the table or more teams coming to the table. And everyone was like, now nah, we'll just let you go back. It seems like all signs are pointing to the Phillies. The way Girardi speaks, the way Dave Dombrowski speaks, the way everyone's speaking, it seems like all indications are leading back to a Phillies and Real Muto deal. The question is for how much, and I hope the Phillies are able to use this leverage in their favor, not only 
I'm not so much concerned about the money, but in terms of the years, that five-year deal, JT Romuto, no matter how much you like him, is not going to be the same catcher three, four, five years from now as he is right now. And it's clear they're going to win now, right now. And you have to be good in those first few years of the contract. And history tells us that catchers, this is where they tend to fall off. I did want to make one more mention. This is courtesy. I actually, you know, I, I take fan mail here on the show. Friend of the show, former two-time guest, actually, I should say, on the show, Jason Canner, tweeted at me earlier today about how good a contract like George Springer makes someone like Bryce Harper look. The six-year, $150 million contract for Springer is going to take him to age 37. Now, Bryce Harper's contract is going to take him to age 39, but the difference is Bryce Harper's contract is more than double the length of George Springer. George Springer's 31. This takes him to age 37. Harper signing at age 26, taking him to age 39. The Phillies, for nearly the same average annual valuation, which is what AAV stands for, right around that $25, $26 million a year mark, are getting far more prime years of Bryce Harper than the Blue Jays are getting out of George Springer. And for what it's worth, I still like this signing for the Blue Jays. And if you're a fan of the AL East, a fan of the Blue Jays, just a fan of baseball in general, you're looking forward to what this Blue Jays lineup is going to look like next season. Like, they're going to be good. Looks like they lost out on Michael Brantley today. It was initially reported that he was going to go there. It seems like he's going back to Houston. But they still got George Springer in that lineup, Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette. Of course, the slugger, Vlad Guerrero Jr. The Blue Jays are going to be a force to be reckoned with, and that lineup is going to be a force to be reckoned with in the AL East and in the American League in general. But it is quite amazing that the Phillies were able to span out Bryce Harper's contract over so long. And again, that's a contract similar to Real Muto. You're expecting more production at the front end of it. And Bryce Harper made it clear that he wanted to stay in one place for basically the rest of his career. But if the mark for prime years, as set by the Blue Jays here, is ages 31 to 37, you're getting a guy into their mid to late 30s, and that's where someone in, like an outfielder starts becoming really unplayable and you no longer want him on the team. The Phillies really made a good deal for Bryce Harper just a few years ago based upon what the market looks like now. You'd much rather get that guy at age 26 to age 39, or at least I would, than a guy from age 31 to age 37. So some props to be thrown here for the Phillies front office based upon kind of just the context of the Bryce Harper contract two years later. Of course, I think most people expected or at least optimistically hoped that the Phillies would be better by this point, at least two years into his deal than they have been. I'm sure Bryce Harper thought the team would look a lot better two years into his deal than the Phillies have been. But this guy's here for 11 more years. He's still a force to be reckoned with in that lineup. Still going to be one of the most, the better hitters in all of baseball. I was going to say consistent, consistent on a year-to-year basis, though he definitely goes through peaks and valleys throughout the course of his season in terms of his offensive production. But Jason Canner, you're absolutely right. That George Springer contract really does put into perspective what this Bryce Harper contract looks like for the Phillies. And we're not going to really see any big-time contracts like Harper, like Machado, given this offseason. So again, if the benchmark two years later of what Harper's contract looks like is George Springer, the Phillies did well. Coming up in the second segment, 
here on today's Locked on Phillies podcast. I kind of wanted to break down more into what the Phillies bullpen strategy has been. I actually kind of like it, so I'm going to give more props to the Phillies front office here on the show today in terms of getting guys who throw hard. We all know anyone who watches the Phillies on a nightly basis or even follows them casually knows that they don't have or they haven't had recently guy relievers who can throw hard, guys out of the bullpen who can throw hard, and we know how bad the bullpen was last year. So I'm going to break down some bullpen acquisitions they've made this season and how it certainly has the potential to benefit them. But first, I want to tell you about my friends at Bet Online. Are we ready for some football? It's conference championship weekend coming up this weekend. You have the Chiefs going up against the Buffalo Bills, and of course you have the Green Bay Packers hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's the battle of the young quarterbacks in the AFC, the battle of the older quarterbacks in the NFC. But the key is you don't want to be left just watching. There are great games every single night in terms of the NBA, the NHL, college basketball. There's only one place that has you covered and one place we here at Locked on Trust. It's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use that promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. Again, Maybe you get a little lucky. We still don't know what the ultimate status of a guy like Patrick Mahomes, highly regarded as the best quarterback in all of football, playing for Kansas City this weekend. Maybe you get the point spread, and then you hear some Mahomes news. That certainly affects the spread in this one. It's certainly maybe you want to take Green Bay at home. This is the first time ever, if you can believe it, Aaron Rodgers in his time with the Green Bay Packers, that the Packers will be hosting a game at Lambeau Field, at least while he's been the starter. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Maybe you want to put a bet on tonight's Sixers game, hosting the Boston Celtics. Flyers taking on the Bruins tomorrow. So much to bet on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Again, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Also want to tell you about my friends at Built Bar. Built Bar if you don't know by now, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. They have 18 amazing flavors, including six new ones, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, which by the way is my personal favorite, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, carrot cake rather, and apple almond crisp. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew, but the best part, guys, Built Bars are healthy. The Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy or girl. They will help you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, and great for anyone on a diet. While supplies last, you want to go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. Again, this deal will not last forever, so I want you to go to BuiltBar. Use the promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to get 20% off your next order of Built Bars. Again, use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com, so they know I sent you. And look, another po- podcast you might like here on the network, if you're a fan of Locked On Phillies, you're a fan of Locked On MLB podcasts in general, you're going to want to get in on Locked On Bets. Maybe you use some of uh, some of the advice that they're giving you here in this podcast and using it with Bet Online. Locked On Bets 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. And if you're betting this year and you want more wins, listen to the Locked on Bets podcast with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball. They're picking football. 
and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. I wanted to call further attention to what I view, and I think many are starting to view, as the Phillies' clear-cut bullpen strategy this season. I don't need to, again, you know, tell you over and over and over again how just how bad the bullpen was in 2020. It was the worst bullpen ERA in Major League Baseball in 90 years. Historically bad bullpen in 2020, and probably not the way to go given how much bullpens are utilized today, and you think about how little bullpens were utilized back then. So really in the modern bullpen era, the Phillies in a 60-game season where bullpens are even more important, and now we're adding rules like the three-batter minimum, making bullpens even more important. The Phillies didn't just have the worst in baseball, they had the worst in baseball dating back nearly a century. One reason or one explanation for that could be that during the Matt Clintac era, they really never seemed to get hard-throwing relievers. In fact, they had the slowest average velocity the, the Phillies' bullpen did in Major League Baseball last season at 88.3 miles an hour. Now, if you watch the postseason and you watch the relievers, teams like the Rays and the Yankees, and basically any good, the Dodgers, any good Major League Baseball team in this era is using, you know that guys are consistently coming out pumping heat in the 90s, sometimes into the hundreds. And then you watch the Phillies, and it's like they're not even playing the same sport. They don't have guys who can come out and throw that. The only guys on the team last year who threw anything remotely close to that were guys like Jojo Romero and Connor Brogdon, who threw over the into the 95, 96, 97 mark a season ago. Now, Romero and Brogdon, neither of them were world beaters. Romero had a 7.59 ERA in 12 games last year. Brogdon looked pretty good. He came in, he had a rough start in the major leagues, allowing a home run in his first ever major league pitch. Welcome to Major League Baseball. But in 11 and a third innings pitch, and he looked really good in that Rays series at the end of the season, he had a 3.97 ERA. And again, it was his first year in baseball. You hope that the fact that the guy has a 97-mile-an-hour fastball there's something to work with there. Now, the Phillies will have their fifth pitching coach in five seasons. It'll be Caleb Cotham. A lot has been made of him. He was the assistant uh, pitching coach for the Reds the past two seasons. He's, the, I believe, the second youngest pitching coach in all of baseball. He's just 33 years old, so you'd hope that he is certainly a young-minded, progressive guy who can relate to these younger pitchers that the Phillies have coming out of their bullpen. So certainly a forward-thinking guy. But in terms of the front office for a second, Dave Dombrowski in a recent press conference said that he's always liked hard throwers, something you never really heard, or the action certainly never backed up during the Matt Clintac regime. And I kind of wanted to break down the relievers that they've acquired this season. Again, I made mention of the fact that Romero and Brogdon, whether it showed up in the stats more so for Romero last season or not, were hard throwers. But basically, the rest of the bullpen wasn't. Well, since Dave Dombrowski has taken over, or really this offseason, because a few of these relievers were required shortly before Dave Dombrowski, but Dombrowski acquired Jose Alvarado, Sam Coonrod, as well as Archie Bradley. And in general, this offseason, they've also acquired Ian Hamilton, who had a career 4.50 ERA with 14 career games with the White Sox 
in 2018 and 2020. They also required Johan Quezada, who's a 97-mile-an-hour thrower. He had a 4.66 ERA in 29 innings pitch with the Marlins in 2020. The Phillies acquired him off of waivers at the conclusion of this season. But the bigger names, like Alvarado, who throws 98 miles an hour, and if you look back kind of at his career, 2019-2020 had some control issues, a 6.00 ERA in nine innings pitched last year, 4.80 ERA in 2019. But you go back to 27 and 2018, 3.64 ERA in 2018, which was really his dominant year, a 2.39 ERA. I'm not saying these guys are world beaters. They obviously have strides to go in terms of command and pounding which part of the zone they need to to get batters out. But the Matt Clintac regime would never go after these guys. They'd never go after the hard throwers. Never go after the guy who would really get the punch out. And by the way, I'm ecstatic about the Archie Bradley signing. You know, we were calling that they really need one of these strong relievers heading into next season. A guy like Liam Hendricks, who's been a solid reliever for a few years now, just signed with the Chicago White Sox. Perhaps a guy like Brad Hand coming off a career year in 2020, cleared waivers with every single major league team at the end of this season. If you listen to my crossover episode with Locked on Mets podcast host Ryan Finkelstein, he told me a story that they didn't even have like the Wilpons and Cohen transition of power with the New York Mets hadn't even been completed yet when that happened, and they didn't have a claim in for Brad Hand, even though Cohen wanted him, which is just a remarkable story. And, you know, for years, people would laugh at the Mets for a story like that. It almost sounds like a Philly story, if we're being honest. He's still on the market. I would not have bet that when I talked to him much earlier this winter, and now we're sitting here in almost late January, I'll call it, that Brad Hand still has not been signed. And by the way, the Mets might still end up getting him anyway. They have still been linked to him. The Blue Jays, I saw, have been linked to him. He's a guy who would love the Phillies to take a crack at. I wish they would have put in a claim for him back when he went through waivers. But Archie Bradley is a signing I'm very, very intrigued by. And I like, if you're not familiar with him, pitched most of his career in Arizona. He had a 2.95 ERA last season, a 3.52 ERA with 18 saves for the Diamondbacks in 2019, and in 2019, or yeah, in 2019 rather, a 10.9 strikeout per nine ratio. And by the way, his fastball around the 96 mile an hour range. Also seems like a pretty cool guy, been pretty active uh, on Twitter lately. I shared a video last week when he first signed with the Phillies of him interacting with fans, actually in the Citizens Bank Park bullpen just a few seasons ago. So overall, cool guy to have around the team. Definitely seems like a good guy to have in the bullpen. Will likely close for the Phillies this season. So for people who are kind of sick of the Hector Neris ninth inning routine, or certainly the Brandon Workman ninth inning routine, he will not be back in 2021. Archie Bradley, if history tells us anything, he's with the Phillies. So maybe that'll just throw his career uh, down by the wayside here. But really hoping that the Phillies can get some more consistent back-end bullpen production than really we've been accustomed to here in Philadelphia in a long, long time. But kind of back to the overall scheme here between Alvarado, Sam Coonrod, again, guy who throws 98 miles an hour, but the numbers aren't really there. Again, a 9.82 ERA uh, in 2020, but he did have a 3.58 ERA 
in 27 and two-thirds pitched in 2019. Look, again, these guys aren't world beaters. There is going to be a lot of work to be done um, for Caleb Cotham, for Dave Lundquist, who is the bullpen coach. But they seem to think that it's a fixable issue. And Dave Dombrowski certainly thinks that this is a good strategy to go, get guys uh, at a value that might not really be at their peak. But they believe they can develop guys who have the potential to throw really hard and potentially get them get their command, get their control working uh, when they're pitching in these late innings. It's kind of the approach the Phillies have been using for years with a guy like Vince Velasquez. He always had good stuff, but never could really get it together. Walks a lot of guys, gets the pitch count high in the fifth and sixth inning. Uh, you know, I complained when they decided to bring back Vince Velasquez for what feels like the 30th season in a row now. But man, oh man, how big that would be if this new regime could actually fix a guy like that. But yeah, it looks like this Phillies roster is really starting to take shape. Again, JT Romuto has been the headlining name uh, throughout this entire offseason. But in terms of what the bullpen's going to look like, which I certainly believe to be the biggest need, I think just about everyone everyone would agree that after last season and in modern-day baseball is the biggest need heading into next season just to be competitive. And again, you're looking through uh, the lineups of every other major league team. you got 19 games at the Mets, Nationals, Marlins, and Braves every single season. That's a lot of uh, strategic planning for late-game at-bats of Juan Soto, Freddie Freeman, Ronald Acuna Jr., now a guy like Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, uh, and the list goes on and on. So I think really big that they're doing this again. It remains to be seen how it works out. Of course, injuries can always kill you. It kind of stinks that doesn't seem like you're going to get a guy like Sir Anthony Dominguez back until at the All-Star break at the earliest. But this bullpen, I definitely expect to be better uh, in 2021 than it was in 2020. It seems like nearly impossible that this team could actually go down. But the strategy of getting hard throwers in modern-day baseball for a team that had the slowest average velocity in Major League Baseball, that will not be a crown that this team takes in 2021. And frankly, if half of these guys pan out decently, the bullpen will take tremendous, tremendous strides. And frankly, a bullpen that is, you know, 20% better than it was last year would have been good enough to make the playoffs last year. I know that's not the goal. The ultimate goal is a championship. But my point is that the strategy seems to be, they actually seem to have a strategic plan for once. And it's something that I can definitely get behind. That's going to do it for this edition of the Locked on Phillies podcast. Coming up later in the week, I'm going to have uh, what I believe is going to be a two-part episode, um, an interview with a uh, mainstay in Philly's Twitter. Uh, it's the guy who runs the Fransky and LA Twitter account. So I'm looking forward to meeting uh, and getting to uh, talk with that, or with, with him rather, um, here later in the week. But again, I hope you enjoyed today's episode, kind of laying out uh, this 2020 offseason strategy. Again, any day now, it seems like the Phillies could actually be landing uh, JT Romuto, which I know is the news that everyone's kind of waiting to go one way or the other. Was waited out a hundred, more than a hundred days at this point, I think, between October, November, December. Uh, now we're into January since the Phillies last played a game. Pitchers and catchers less than a month away at this point. But look, we all waited out the Bryce Harper contract, and that didn't that news didn't come down until February 28th. So the Phillies have certainly gotten good uh, in recent memory at playing the waiting game. Jake Arrieta was signed late into an offseason. It's something you basically have to be good at in modern-day uh, Major League Baseball offseasons. The hot stove does not run or work as fast as I or really anyone else would like it to, but 
if it ultimately means a better product on the field uh, come opening day, I'm certainly all for it. Again, that'll do it for this edition of the Locked on Phillies podcast. Stay tuned uh, for my episode with the author, uh, I'll call it, uh, of the Fransky and LA Twitter account coming up later this week.